You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for sportingandnews.com. My latest article is up looking at the projected Tom Brady contract uh, there for the Buccaneers. Looks like they're going to try to restructure his deal here to give them some flexibility. That'll be the team we look at, the Super Bowl 55 champions, in a couple shows from now in our series that we're doing. Uh, 2020 season in review, 2021 offseason preview, but we're in the middle of the NFC South. We've got uh, now a little bit more than two divisions, two divisions and three teams. We still have to get to the West teams here in our series. So if you missed any teams, go there and check them out. But we started the South in the NFC to close last week with the Atlanta Falcons, so it's natural that we go to the Carolina Panthers. So the Bucks will do in detail for sure. The Panthers have an interesting offseason as well. So they get our devotion here on this show. Uh, again, we want to know where they were fantasy football-wise in 2020 and where they might be going in 2021. Before we dive into that, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, so the biggest question mark around the Panthers last year was Teddy Bridgewater. He finished uh, 19th in overall scoring at quarterback, 16.82 points per game. 24th, when you look at average points per game, that makes him a QB2 in every which way. He's a complete QB2. Not a guy you're excited about playing, but you can play him in two QB leagues in the right matchups. But in terms of regular play in 12 to 14 team leagues, you're not looking at him. He's more of a backup. Not a guy that you could count on from week in and week out. That's despite having some good wide receiver production with him. And that kind of helped his value a little bit to make it at least as a solid QB2. But yeah, so right now they're looking at possibly replacing Teddy Bridgewater. That's been the big discussion. Do they go after Deshaun Watson still? Is that still on the table to make a blockbuster trade for the Texans quarterback? Or are they looking in the draft for a quarterback replacement? But however you look at it, Teddy Bridgewater was not unsurprisingly mediocre there, where he pretty much did limited work here in the passing game. Didn't really have any reality punch either, as the Panthers uh, struggled there in uh, comeback situations. Fourth quarter, Teddy Bridgewater was the opposite of the other TB, not very clutch there. So TB5, not exactly like TB12 in that department. The numbers overall, not that great. 3,733 passing yards, 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He was sacked 31 times in those 51 games. He made 15 starts. We saw Philip Walker play once, PJ, there for his old college coach, Matt Rule. And Bridgewater did save himself a little bit with five rushing touchdowns, 279 yards rushing. Coincidentally, that's about where Christian McCaffrey did in three games as a runner. He did it in 15 here. So 279 and five here, 225 and five before McCaffrey got hurt. Played only three games last year, but that really saved his value. Without those touchdowns in 
the running game, you're looking at a very bad way off the or, or kind of way off the radar quarterback here. So again, touchdowns we know can fluctuate. They're an anomaly for quarterback here. But they saved him to make him respectable, but nothing near where again you wanted to plug and play and you felt good about it. When you only average one touchdown pass per game in today's NFL. Very shaky play overall, and that, that's why they're looking potentially to replace him. Only 7.6 yards per attempt, which is better than we thought, 69.1 completion percentage. But overall, Bridgewater leaves a lot to be desired, and the running is not so overwhelming. It's not like he's going off nuts getting 500, 600 yards rushing. I mean, you look at it, it's just very weird that he had five rushing touchdowns with that number of rushing yards. So... Yeah, you can't feel great about him in this offense. Maybe he gets a little bit better year two with Joe Brady if they stick with him as a starter. But there's no sense that Teddy Bridgewater is going to ascend to that level. He's probably a high floor guy, but this floor is not anything we're interested in fantasy football there. And reality-wise, they're trying to replace him as well. So we'll watch this. Definitely the quarterback of the Panthers gets the keys to some pretty good weapons here, just like they did in 2020 and transitioning into 2021. Now, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey. This was brutal. You drafted him high, just like Saquon Barkley. Very little return in terms of the health. You got a few more games and carries from CMC than you did from Saquon Barkley, but still, 27.3 points per game. That was first in those three games, so you averaged a good chunk here of scoring more than 81 points, nearly 82 points in half-point PPR in over three games. So he was off to a hot start. Hard to see that happen with uh, Christian McCaffrey in uh, just 76 touches, 374 yards, and six combined touchdowns. So you're looking at an insane season where he would have been close to 1,800 yards, 30 TDs out of uh, McCaffrey. So again, he was on his way to being big and living up to where he was drafted as the number one overall pick there in this offense. High receiving machine, high scoring machine. So... Christian McCaffrey, we'll see. I don't think he's going to be involved in the Deshaun Watson trade. He's going to stick here. If he's healthy, we know he can be very productive. And we know that because look at what Mike Davis did. He finished 15th in overall scoring at running back. 11.8 points per game. 26th was that average in half-point PPR. Now, so Davis, yeah, he stayed healthy. He was available for 15 games here. He missed one himself. But he ends up with 1,015 Yards from scrimmage and eight TDs here. So pretty solid. When you put these two guys together from scrimmage, you've got 1389 and 14 TDs. So, yeah, over the course of that many games, you were looking good here with Mike Davis. So essentially he started 12 of the games that McCaffrey's out and uh, they kind of uh, used Rodney Smith in that other game. Not a lot to see there. Rodney Smith, by the way, looked pretty good at times. He had 215 yards in a TD as well. So basically what we said, 18 and 1,830. Therefore, Christian McCaffrey had stayed healthy. Now when you add up all these uh, other running back scoring, Rodney Smith, Reggie Bonifon, remember they used Curtis Samuel a lot as a runner as well. He had 200 yards rushing plus another uh, couple TDs there. You put all those guys together by committee. Davis led it, but you put Samuel, Smith, Bonifon in there, a little bit of Trenton Cannon. That's how they try to make up for Christian McCaffrey, but that showed there was a big drop-off there. But, again, Davis was very usable. He plugged and played for a while. There was 
some games down the stretch where you're disappointed, but for the most part, if you lost McCaffrey and you had handcuffed him with Davis, you got decent replacement production. You did drop from high-end RB1 to solid RB2, but still it was a nice recovery where at least your team wasn't totally lost if you had uh, attached Davis to McCaffrey in 2020. So, yeah, high potential. This offense is great for McCaffrey. We know that. He was headed to another special season. Anywhere near flirting with 2,000 yards from scrimmage in 22Ds, that's always in the mix for McCaffrey with his volume and all that. His volume certainly was not limited over the first three games when you look at it as 76 touches. So that's quite a bit when you look at it over three games there. So, yeah, he uh, nearly 26, 25 uh, and some change here. Average touches per game. So they had big plans for him under Joe Brady, and that should pick up where it left off here. As McCaffrey stays in his prime as young, fast, durable, speedy back. Now we'll look next at the Panthers' most productive fantasy performers from last year. That would be wide receiver. We'll do that in our next segment. But first, I can tell you that BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updates, odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline says you've covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up at BetOnline.ag. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use that promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus. We will be right back here to break down the Panthers' trio of talented wide receivers from 2020. All right, so the Panthers' wide receivers were the story. You had three very viable guys that you could use all season long, and the scoring might surprise you there. Before we dive into their production, today on the Locked on Today podcast, Selection Sunday is a week away, and there will be a number of ACC teams left out of the tournament. What went wrong in the ACC this season Check it out on Locked On Today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so if we go down the line in overall scoring, we're using half point PPR according to Fantasy Pros. The scoring was number 22, DJ Moore. Next came Robbie Anderson at 24. And this might surprise you, Curtis Samuel finished at 25. So pretty even between these three guys. When you look at points per game average in half-point PPR, 11.9 for Moore, that was 23rd. You have uh, 11.6 for Samuel, which was 28th. And then just outside of really the wide receiver three, our higher-end range, more borderline wide receiver three, was Robbie Anderson at exactly 11.0 points per game. So... So Moore was pretty much equal to where he was. Uh, same thing with Samuel, but Anderson definitely was a little bit of a drop-off to the 11 points per game here. So let's look at uh, how this was distributed. You had Curtis Samuel. He got 77 balls for 851 yards and three TDs. But again, the big aspect of Samuel's game was filling in for McCaffrey as a runner when needed. So he added 202. So he ends up with 1,000. 51 yards from scrimmage and 5 TDs, so not much different 
that Mike Davis overall more productive. Davis had the eight TDs, but Samuel five TDs. So pretty good for him. You look at Robbie Anderson, came in, Temple connection between him and Matt Roll, came in for the Jets, played all 16 games, was healthy for that, 95 catches, 1,096 yards. This is where he uh, fell short, was only the three TDs. So that's why he didn't uh, finish as well as the other two guys. When we look at DJ Moore, he had 118 targets only, only 66 catches, but he averaged 18.1 yards per catch. He was a big play target, so a little bit better for him. 1193, so almost 100 yards more than Anderson. He had four TDs, so it's not like he exploded too much, but Samuel ends up leading all these receivers with those five combined TDs. And so, yeah, yardage-wise, Moore really made up for it. He also had uh, some work in the running game. So he gets to 12, 15 yards, four TDs. Robbie Anderson gets to uh, 1,111 with three TDs. And Samuel, 1,051 with five TDs. So pretty equally distributed between these three receivers. And Samuel really bumped up by having no McCaffrey. So he kind of filled in some of that void. And they also didn't have anything at tight end. So... DJ Moore, to me, is a special receiver. I think they can do more with him. I don't think he's just a big play threat. We saw that in the year before. He can catch shorter balls as well, work after the catch. You thought Robbie Anderson was a deep threat. He turned out to be more of the possession guy with 11.5 yards per catch. So, yeah, it was kind of weird. We expected Moore to be the consistent number one type. Well, Anderson kind of was that outside guy. Well, Moore did more damage as kind of the Z receiver, maybe unintentionally here. For what the Panthers were trying to accomplish from their wide receivers. So, again, 11 personnel using Samuel in different ways. That was the focus here. You look otherwise, Ian Thomas led them in tight end production. It was bad. Well off the radar. 2.0 points per game. It's not even worth mentioning, but it, it was 58th. So, a tight end 5 is, is uh, what you got from Ian Thomas. And we've had some high expectations for him, but... You only saw 20 touches overall, 20 catches on those 31 targets, 145 and 1. So the tight end, not even a big part of what the Panthers try to do. Wide receiver-centric team, running back-centric team, first from McCaffrey and then uh, pivoting to Davis. You look at both of those guys together, they uh, went well over uh, 520 yards there combined from scrimmage as receivers. So... Yeah, so this is a team going to channel the running backs and wide receivers most in the passing game. That's what we saw here with Ian Thomas, although that could change a hint here for uh, when we kind of look ahead to the Panthers offseason in our final segment. And now we look at their kicking situation. Joey Sly, 8.1 points per game, 16th in overall scoring, so usable in some matchups, 21st there per game. So not that great for Joey Sly. He made some 50 yarders, some big kicks, but he could also be inconsistent, miss some 40 yarders, some extra point attempts, all that. So again, we're pushing for 10 to really feel good about an asset in fantasy as a kicker. It's, it's fickle, changes from year to year. But Joey Sly is above average, but not a great kicker here overall. You know, he's got the big leg, but the inconsistency keeps him in Really, this offense for now keeps them from being more relevant. Maybe they'll change if they get a more explosive quarterback situation, but right now Sly is not someone you look at if your league is still using kickers. Finally, this is kind of promising. The Panthers were 16th 
in defense special team scoring last year, 6.2. And they got some playmakers. We know that. Some young guys that we're looking forward to having expanding roles. Jeremy Chin was one of them. He had an interception, two fumble recoveries, a sack here. You had a pretty good pass rush from the Panthers. It could be a lot better with uh, 29 sacks. So I would say pretty good at times. They had some guys that stand out. Brian Burns needs some help. He's a very good pass rusher. The next guy on the list was uh, Marquise Haynes there and uh, F.A. Obata. So they definitely need some guys that can rush the passer, get a little bit better there. But you look at their interceptions, not too bad here. I think they could get better there as well. Seven interceptions, but they definitely have some young playmakers we're going to watch for. I think Derek Brown could have a bigger role. Burns is not going anywhere. You look at uh, Chin, he's going to be all over making plays for them. And then really look at the, their secondary. It has uh, nowhere to go but up here in uh, making plays. And they had a pretty good pass rush by committee, inside, outside. A lot of people got involved. That should get better in the second year with Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, as they have some younger players play a little bit better as well. And their secondary has been an issue, but you figure that's going to upgrade a little bit. And Chin being back there at safety to uh, kind of keep things together is pretty good. Dante Jackson could be a bigger ro role here in terms of uh, going after the ball. Three interceptions for 110 yards for him. So, yeah, the Panthers do have some potential. It's kind of surprising, even with those uh, lower totals, the 29-7 that they were a little bit more involved here as a fantasy defense than we would expect. All right, so there's a look at the Panthers and uh, their 2020 production. Now we got to look ahead to 2021. We'll do that in our final segment, look at the free agency and the draft, how those things are shaping up for the Panthers. But I'm going to tell you, we've been telling you about Built Bar all the time here, the best-tasting protein bar in the market for a while. Well, Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now it is time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. So we got uh, some matchups here to look at for today. Apple Almond Crisp versus Chura Puff. Peanut Butter Brownie versus Raspberry. These are some really good matchups, folks, because uh, it's hard to pick. And with Built Bar... All of them are going to be so delicious. These are protein bars that taste like dessert. It's funny because I lean more towards the pure chocolate, the peanut butter, and the fudge, and all those type of uh, flavors here. But in these matchups, I really do like uh, Apple Almond Crisp. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, desserts there. So that's wrapped around in chocolate 100%. Tastes delicious. So I do like churros as well, but Apple Almond Crisp, a little bit more classic flavor. And uh, chocolate and apple uh, really go well together. That smooth flavor there that uh, has been around for a long time. Apple Almond Crisp with Built Bar. It's a classic. I'm going there. Chura Puff might be new school and delicious for a lot of you guys. And that's fine. You really can't go wrong, but I'm going with Apple Almond Crisp as my personal favorite. Now you go peanut butter brownie versus raspberry. This one's a little bit tougher. I do like some fruit and I do like raspberry with my chocolate but peanut butter brownie it's a classic can't go wrong with chocolate and peanut butter there that's a old-timey flavor so old school here kind of the blue bloods of the built bars that we're going with in our first round here so stay tuned we will break down the rest of the brackets here so it's uh, a lot of fun uh, you can uh, check this out at built bar on twitter that's uh, built underscore bar on twitter 
And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That is LOCKEDON20. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, capital O-N, the numbers two zero to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar that Built Bar has. We'll be right back here to break down the Panthers' cap situation and uh, what they plan to do in the draft here in 2021. All right, we do need to look at the Panthers' offseason. What's ahead here just around the corner as free agency starts in the middle of March. And the draft awaits there at the end of April. But I do have to remind you to check out our team-by-team podcast here. Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson could be on the move this offseason. Tune to Lockdown Seahawks and Lockdown Texans to hear about what our local experts are willing to trade for the star quarterbacks. Listen to Lockdown Seahawks and Lockdown Texans on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we'll have breaking news there if... uh, we have Wilson or Watson or another big name being traded. We'll have a reaction show there. If you missed our previous ones with uh, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade, or Carson Wentz to the Colts, those shows are up as well as the breakdown of these teams in transition here from 2020 to 2021. Speaking of which, the Panthers are one of them. They are $16 million around so under the cap here. So they don't have to make a lot of moves. They're going to try to move, get away from Teddy Bridgewater. This is also... After these, the franchise tag there on Taylor Moten, the right tackle. So they could look at moving on from Shaq Thompson as they rebuild the defense, but they don't really have to do too much and can feel comfortable. At free agency, they have some concerns here. Mike Davis doesn't look like they can necessarily re-sign him. You may want to move on elsewhere after a good starting fill-in stint and maybe get a little bit more money in another situation. So we'll see that. Curtis Samuels in free agent. Here, and after the big three kind of uh, go their ways with their original teams, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay, you're down to people like uh, Corey Davis and uh, Curtis Samuel. There, Marvin Jones, an older option. But Samuel's very young. He's a dynamic player, very versatile. So he's going to get some uh, offers in the market. So I expect him to test it here, especially with Moten getting a franchise tag. They're going to see what Samuel can uh, get out in the open market, his representatives are. So it could be bye-bye to Samuel, which could change the way the Panthers approach things with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, could force them more into a tight end situation. They do have Keith Kirkwood back, so if they lose Samuel, Kirkwood could see a little bit more opportunities here. So backup running back, number three wide receiver, definitely in flux here. The offensive line has a few free agents beyond Moten, who's a uh, on his way back here at right tackle. Russell Okung at the left side. Aging. We'll see if they can retain him or find a replacement here. Yet, Trent Williams, Alejandro Villanueva. Will they go after one of those guys? Veteran left tackles. We'll have to see. They also have John Miller. Uh, Tyler Larson here. Uh, Michael Schofield. Other offensive linemen that are free agents. So, some things to be addressed up front for the Panthers. Tight end certainly could be a big deal here. Chris Manhurts is a free agent, and uh, Ian Thomas so far hasn't lived up to expectations as an athletic replacement for Greg Olson, who's retiring as a Panther this year after the one year with the Seahawks. So maybe it gives them opportunity here to find a third receiver, new receiver there behind Moore and Anderson. Maybe they pivot away from 
the traditional slot guy for that option look more at tight end here. And uh, when you look at the Panthers draft, what they've got here is six picks so far. Number eight overall, number 39. So two high picks here in first and second round. Number 73, number 104, number 135, and number 116 for the Panthers. Now, they do need to think about uh, getting that tight end. Will they go after Kyle Pitts of Florida if he's available with that pick? Or do they come back at 39 and look at Pat Freermuth of Penn State? Or do they look at uh, Brevin Jordan there of Miami to get them some receiving help in that position? So some things we'll definitely be watching there, mainly with that second pick. I think the Pitts pick could be more of a luxury. I think the real target should be here if they're not into Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, uh, Oregon and uh, Northwestern prospects respectively, and left tackle if they're not available. And they can move on from Bridgewater. They don't trade for Watson. I think number eight is going to be a quarterback. Now, do they go after Trey Lance or Justin Fields with Zach Wilson? Slip there. Less likely now with the stock raise, the BYU prospect. You know, Trevor Lawrence is not falling there for the Panthers, so... Yeah, it could be a choice between Justin Fields from Ohio State, Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Lance will have his uh, pro day on Friday, so the Panthers, you figure, will be watching that closely here. So that's the biggest question. Are they going to replace Teddy Bridgewater? Then how are they going to do it? Do they want to look at a high rookie first-round pick? Do they want to go all in more for the services of Watson and just go that way? A lot to be determined here with the Panthers quarterback situation, but that will dictate a lot. So, again... If I was betting right now, I would say number eight overall is where the Panthers are going to address quarterback. I don't see them giving up too much or being able to give up enough to get a Watson or a Russell Wilson. Speaking of uh, rumor trades for both of those guys, I don't see the Panthers in the mix for either. They're, and uh, Realistically, Watson is going to be the only one traded. I think the Panthers uh, just may not have enough to acquire him from the Texans that uh, they can give back, especially if they don't want to part ways with uh, Christian McCaffrey, and that might be a hard ask here for the Panthers to move with all this. So we'll watch it, but I think that's where they're going to get their quarterback. I think offensive line or uh, tight end could be a, a very strong option there at number 39, and then maybe get some wide receiver depth here should uh, Samuel Walk as expected in free agency. <coughs> so there you have it, a look at the Panthers here. And uh, their off-season transitional period here from 2020 to 2021. That means our next team up in this series would be the New Orleans Saints. And then, as we said, we teased at the top of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right around the corner. So we'll continue our series looking at those two teams next. If there's a big something we have to react to, we'll go there. But we'll knock out to those teams and uh, maybe... And then uh, turn our attention a little bit to, to the draft, take a little bit of a break before we finish up here with the AFC and NFC West look. So, yeah, so till 10 teams left to go, 22 down here on Locked On Fantasy Football. So thanks so much for listening to this Panthers 2020 season review, 2021 offseason preview. Have a great day. See you tomorrow, probably with a look at the New Orleans Saints.